Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NKBA On The Road podcast. My name is Pamela McNally, SVP of Marketing and Digital, and I'm going to be your series host, talking with people who I meet at different events, conferences, and meetings. And before I forget, this podcast is worth one half of a CEU credit. Before we start, I'd like to thank Decor for sponsoring this podcast and always being such a great NKBA partner. In today's episode, I'm talking with Geraldine Morrison, Executive Director at Decor, and Scott Davies, Director of Marketing. And we'll be talking about the evolution of luxury over the last several years, and what the luxury client is looking for from their home spaces, especially the kitchen, now and over the next couple of years. Welcome, Geraldine and Scott. Hi, Pam. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to start with you, Geraldine, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, talk to me a little bit about this today's luxury consumer and what they are looking for from their kitchen. What's important to them in that space? Sure, absolutely. Um, today's, you know, the way that we describe today's luxury consumer is, you know, someone who is um, an avid homeowner wants to have a space that they can enjoy with their friends, with their family, and just in their daily lives. And what we're seeing in terms of the products that are being uh, used in in those types of kitchens are larger form appliances, larger sizes, larger capacity, as well as high performance. Right. This consumer is a discerning consumer and is looking for products that really. Uh, deliver on all of their capabilities with, you know, not necessarily a lot of bells and whistles, but really true features that are going to help them live their lives better and elevate how they live in their homes. So Scott, I'll throw this towards you. So you talk about that they want larger appliances. Is this different than pre-pandemic? And then if you look ahead, what do you see in the future? So I, th- I think to Geraldine's point, you know, pre-pandemic, um, or, excuse me, during pandemic, obviously we're all at home a lot. So therefore, straight off the bat, all the appliances are being used significantly more than they used to be. And I think customers have realized that, you know, maybe their smaller refrigerator just simply isn't enough anymore. So to Geraldine's point, yes, appliances are getting bigger. Um, usage is, is, is escalating significantly. So obviously quality of the product is paramount. But I think also um, the level of customization and uh, multi-use appliances become critical. So for example, I'll pick on refrigeration. Um, so the days of just one fridge, one freezer, those days are gone, right? So uh, in, in our product, we have, um, you know, inside the refrigerator, we have a fresh zone drawer, which can be, the temperature can be adjusted, whether you've got meats or dairy or cheeses or just, just regular food. And then in the freezer, um, you know, it's not just a freezer anymore. We can, we can adapt our freezer to be a fridge uh, or, again, anything in between. So I think the, the post-pandemic world is, is larger appliances, um, heavily used, um, but then um, being able to be multi-used. And then if we look at cooking, is having a multitude of different products uh, and, and features. So we have like air fry, air sous vide, uh, steam cooking, baking, um, sensor cooking, all those types of things have become really, really important. So are you seeing multiple appliances, like two refrigerators? Maybe one might be going in another part of the house. Uh, you know, are you seeing multiple ranges? Maybe one that goes to an outdoor room that actually acts like an indoor kitchen. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, I think refrigeration is interesting because um, <clears throat> you can either have like one large, like a 48 inch footprint, or you can have column products. You can have 24 inches, um, you can have 24 inch wine columns. You can you can place, they're very modular. You can put mm-hmm. the products where you need them. Um, you have, uh, you know, maybe one beautiful kitchens for show off, and then you have one in, in the background that, that you do all the heavy cooking on. So I think the, the, the luxury customer takes extreme pride on how beautiful the products look. But it's also ensuring the products are put in the right places, right? So again, that's, I think, refrigeration is the best example of that because it's a very, very modular experience. Or wine coolers. Like for now, you talk about the primary bath and how that footprint has expanded to include a sitting room, areas where maybe family gathers, they have some wine or coffee in the morning. Um, so Geraldine, you know, talk a little bit about that. What is a luxury, how you set, how is that luxury consumer set apart from others? What makes them different aside from the money, um, in terms of their, you know, 
obviously money, but I mean, in right. terms of how they perceive their home, how they use their home, what they're looking for. Yeah. So I think, you know, above and beyond everything else, design remains really critical for the luxury consumer. They, they tend to be more design oriented, design savvy uh, and come to the table with a design vision, either of their own or, you know, through an influencer that they might be partnering with. And so really bringing um, that vision to life is, is something that's a bit different than more of the mainstream consumer. Um, and they, you know, they look at their home as, as um, you know, a gem, essentially, and want to make sure that they're putting the best products that are going to enable and enhance their lifestyle within their home um, and so we're seeing you know very much you know to build on Scott's point um, continued focus continued interest in products if you're going to pay a certain price for these products that they're going to deliver above and beyond the standard that you might have been used to years ago before you became a luxury consumer let's say uh, so multifunction in your ranges and your ovens and your refrigeration and possibly you know expanding outside of the kitchen as well we talked about uh, a wine column potentially in your closet, right? We see a lot of that kind of activity happening. Um, additional under-counter refrigeration in different places. Maybe it's now in your office because your office is uh, at home. You work where you live. Uh, so we're seeing a, a lot of differences in that way. Obviously, square footage of the home is going to be different. Uh, selection of materials and things like that. Uh, but for us, you know, we stay very focused. We'd like to stay in our swim lane of, of kitchen and delivering the best that we can in terms of products that have design, performance, and connectivity and really enable the lifestyle that that consumer wants to live. So when you say connectivity, let's talk a little bit about sure. technology. What does that consumer expect from technology? I, I would say first and foremost, not gimmicks, right? I don't think we, we will never put um, technology into our product that is uh, gimmicky or just nice to have. It's really always going to be based on meaningful innovation that is going to enhance that consumer's life or the way they want to live. So some of the aspects that we have, for example, in our refrigeration that Scott talked about, a camera function, which allows you to, while you're at the grocery store, see what's inside your refrigerator. It's pretty simple in, in, in terms of thinking about it, but it's super helpful and super important. Um, other aspects too, because all of our products are, are uh, Wi-Fi enabled, they all can live on the SmartThings platform. And uh, that allows that con the consumer to really understand what their appliances are doing wherever they are, be it at home um, or you know when they're on the go and they'll, they'll understand, is their refrigerator working? Is that door open? Did their child close the door or not? Um, or if there's you know some other situation brewing. Um, so that that's when we look at technology, we really, again, wanna make sure it's meaningful and it's innovative. In, in terms of enhancing lifestyle. So I would assume that just based on what you've talked about and this luxury consumer, that they are different to market to, right, Scott? So they're not the same. They want the usual gimmick, advertising. How do you do that? How do you market to this consumer? Yeah, it's a great question. I think there's there's really two, two elements to this. I think the first one is um, the majority of the marketing we do is, is digital, and I'll explain why. <clears throat> I think there's, there's, there's two reasons for it. The first one is, the, the luxury customer doesn't want to be bombarded with, with advertising. We, we are very specific with how and when. So if you as a luxury customer has signaled somehow that you're in the market, whether you've bought a home, you've hired a professional, you're remodeling, of course that's data we can collect. Once we learn a little bit about you, then we can start um, personalizing the content that we, we give you. Um, as, a, as a brand, we are focused heavily on you know what makes us stand out from the rest of the crowd. And the, the, the best way to articulate that is through video. We've got a, a raft, of, and Geraldine um, mentioned many, and a raft of amazing features that we can articulate in about six seconds. So um, I think the luxury consumer consumes them, their media uh, generally through a digital platform. They want it when they want it, so we have to be very clear about when we serve up that data and give them what they want depending on what they're interested in too. Like if you've signaled that you're interested in ovens, 
giving an ad talking about refrigeration is a waste of everyone's time. So we have to learn deeply about what you as a customer are interested in and then serve you that content. And it also depends where in the journey you are. If you're in the discovery phase, we want you to learn a little bit about our brand holistically. If you're at that point end of the funnel where you're ready to buy, then we can start serving you something a little bit different. And, and the luxury um, purchase cycle could be up to 12 months long. So it's not a, a generally not a duress buy. You're not needing a 48 inch column today. You want one in eight months time when your kitchen's finished. Mm -hmm. So it's a very consistent, personalized uh, message that we need to hit our customers. And what platform do you find the most effective to reach this luxury consumer? Social, email? So um, great question. I think it's on three levels. I think the first one is um, uh, email is critical because email we can get very, very personal. Um, and what I mean by that is, again, if, if you're, depending on what area you're in, you could be in New York. New York's um, obviously not only a critical market, but we've got some beautiful showrooms in New York, so we can start feeding you information. Hey, come to our kitchen theater. You can do a cooking school. You can learn a bit more about our product. Um, so I think email is, is really, really important. Social is, is huge. Um, Instagram, um, uh, you know, LinkedIn is, is really important for us, as is um, Facebook and, and Pinterest. You know, we, we've got to frame up the brand and, and give them that very lifestyle and sort of immerse them in, in, in what we do. So I think there's a there's a level there of what I'll call direct digital marketing. But I think the second element that is that a, a large number of luxury customers partner with designers, partner with professionals. And, and in a lot of those cases, they rely on that professional to help them through their journey. Mm -hmm. If they don't know what brand they want, they will ask the, the, the builder or the designer or whomever, you know, what brands do you recommend? So we not only have a B2C platform, but we have a B2B platform, which is why the NKBA is so critical to us. Um, you know, we, we partner um, closely with the NKBA, of course, as you know. Um, we host lots of networking functions through, through the space. Uh, we, we work with our own uh, dealer partners to host, host events, um, CEUs. Um, to build that brand affinity. So again, when, it, when they work with their customers, they're familiar with their brand and they can re recommend Dacor. So it's, it's a B2C and a B2B play. So let's talk about this for a second. So driving to the designer smart, so I would ask you, Geraldine, mm -hmm. what sets one brand apart from the other? Why would one designer go with one brand versus the other? What makes them choose that one brand, in yeah. your opinion? You know, ultimately, I think they need to look at the whole the holistic package of what that brand represents, right? And and um, really make sure that their client is going to be happy with with the offering from that brand. For us, we are a very feature rich brand in terms of what we offer. We talked about design, performance, and connectivity, and that those are fundamentals. Those are our brand foundation. Uh, but we want to make sure that designers, as Scott said, um, when we're talking to designers, that we're educating them on all the things that are different and unique about decor, um, which stand apart really from a lot of brands that are out there. So um, I think if, if uh, the luxury consumer is looking for a unique, really feature rich, really value added uh, products that have you know the best of materials, the best of design, the best of technology, decor really stands out and can fit the bill for those projects. How important is sustainability to this luxury consumer? I think sustainability is important in general. Um, you know, we have Energy Star refrigeration and, and those things as well. Uh, and we're always conscious of, of making sure that uh, we're designing products and tools uh, that are environmentally friendly. And you know, when we look at our portfolio, our products last a tremendous, a tremendous amount of time. Um, and so there's a sustainability story within that too, where your refrigerator. For example, we warranty our refrigerators for 15 years. And so um, that really you know, is a mark of excellence in our opinion, but also speaks to the consumer in that it's not a disposable item, right? It's not gonna go into a landfill and be wasteful or something like that. So that's also another aspect for us too. In, the, um, in terms of priority, where do you think mm -hmm. sustainability falls? 
Hmm, I'm interested because yeah. we, we talk about the fact that that younger consumer, for them it's very important, the older consumer may not so much, but you're hearing a lot of designers say they're recommending products now, a majority are recommending products that have a sustainability story. Just wondering in your in yeah, your sir, I think it's important, yeah. but I think also um, you know that consumer working with their influencer or on their or on their own, um, their priority is going to be really making sure that the space is functioning the way that they need it and that their vision is coming to life. And certainly, you know, a distinguishing factor can be sustainability in the products that they want to put into their homes. Um, so I think it will remain uh, uh, an important factor, but maybe not at the the you know the, the first let's say three to five points or something like that. Scott, so where do you think luxury is evolving in the next three to five years? So <clears throat> I'm going to build a little bit off what Geraldine mm -hmm. touched on because I think um, the luxury customer, and I'll, I'll ladder into technology, and, and the way we think of technology is, I think, twofold. The, the, the features and performance that tech gives the product is one element, and then connectivity is the second element. I think, and we've learned and we've heard a lot about connectivity in the smart home, I think, as the luxury consumer evolves in the next three to five years, the um, emphasis on connectivity and tech will will just simply increase. And I think to Geraldine's point, technology is a big chunky word and generally you think of tech as gimmicky, those types of things. We've never been about that, nor will we will. If, if we're embedding technology into our product, it will be for a very good reason. Um, and I'll talk about our ranges for a second. So we've effectively got a tablet embedded in our ranges, a seven inch touchscreen, full color. Within these screens, are, uh, we have chef mode, and chef mode suggests um, different recipes that you could use on our induction cooktop. We have a, a, a effectively a TV screen embedded where it doesn't not only tells you how to cook that beautiful rice, it actually gives you step by step, and then it actually plays you a video. Now, there, that makes life simpler. Right? Like everyone's running around, everyone's got things to do. Everyone, of course, wants a beautiful meal. Um, however, we want to make that as easy as we can. So I think there's elements you can get there on technology that make our customers' lives better every day. And then the connectivity piece um, is we want to connect our customers no matter where they are. So if they're in the store, they're, they're frantically getting ready for dinner, they can preheat their oven from the store. Um, Geraldine talked about cameras and, and refrigerators. You know, yes, um, it's great that I don't have to buy the milk because I can look inside, but I think to the sustainability point Geraldine was talking about, it stops me buying all this food, getting home, not needing it, um, and then just throwing it away. Mm -hmm. So there's really good use cases, and I think it, it's embedding that... Um, that tech and that connectivity into products to make the customer's life easier, more simpler, and just, just elevate their everyday. So it's interesting you talk about technology and making it simpler um, and not using it as a gimmick. So many designers say that their they're luxury customers love technology, but you know what they hate? It's too complex mm -hmm. and they don't have support. Another thing to worry about. Another thing yeah. to worry So talk to me a little bit about how you support um, you know, technology for consumers and also talk about how you make it more simple for them to understand and use. Yeah, so I think I'll, I'll, I'll go back to the, the range example. You know, I talk about a tablet that's embedded and, and it's, it's a giant phone. And I think everyone's generally using their phone all day, every day, and it is very, very intuitive. So I think if you look at the back end, it's jam packed full of tech. And I think if you rewind in the industry, maybe five or seven years ago, maybe that tech was there in some capacity, but it was very, very complicated and it was kind of clunky and it didn't really work. So people got turned off. Fast forward to today, and, and it's literally like a phone. So I think it's the, the back end and the, and the complexities that are in there, but when you interact in the front end, it's, it's extremely, extremely simple. And I think, to your point, if, if it's clunky or too difficult, people will get turned off and they'll either get frustrated if they bought it or they won't even buy it in the first place. So I think it's, it's clearly articulating um, what, what is not only embedded in the product, but, but the use cases of why a customer should care about that and why it makes us different from the other competitors, to be honest with you. 
So can I just add on to that? I absolutely. Think, you know, we have the added benefit of, as well of being on the Smart Things platform, which is a, a, a major, major differentiator for us. And I'm not sure if you've ever used it, but it's very easy to add an appliance, you know, particularly our appliances onto that platform. Mm -hmm. So there's an in intuitive nature to it in that it's, you know, if you know how to add an app to your phone and work an app, you'll know how to easily connect your refrigerator or your range, add your device to your, your SmartThings platform, and you can monitor that way. So just building off of Scott's point, it's, it's absolutely simple. Um, we don't want to burden a consumer with more gadgets or gimmicks or anything like that. So we want to present that it, it's very intuitive and very easy. Um, and it's, again, in, in the scheme of helping you do what you want to do in your home, uh, not to add complexity. I think the the other thing I'll say is when we think of where luxury is going is, um, <clears throat> you know, luxury customers either want their products completely hidden, like spend all this money, but I don't want anyone to see it, or I really want to be really loud and proud. So um, fully integrated products that are completely seamless and just looks like a piece of furniture is is one path to go down. But then I think secondarily, you know, stainless steel still holds true. And you, we have a, offer a beautiful graphite stainless steel, which is, you know, proprietary to, to Decor. Um, so it's, it's again, it's we've got a, a set of customers that want their product completely hidden or they want to show it off. So we can a, a, appeal to both. And I think that trend will again continue through. And that's where I think, you know, color and personalization, because they're panel ready, you can do absolutely anything whenever you want. So those two paths, you think one will take uh, drive further than the other? You, you see any sort of growing one versus other panel ready versus even the stainless steel or graphite stainless steel? What do you see? So I think I don't see stainless steel going anywhere. I think mm -hmm. it, it's a sort of a stock standard. I think that will continue to grow. I think the ability to um, use a panel ready product and put art, put any color you want on there. Um, you know, I'm sure you've seen some spectacular kitchens where you don't, didn't even know that was a fridge because mm -hmm. it's just got some beautiful mural on it. So I think that level of customization and personalization will likely grow, but I think stainless steel is, is not, I don't think it's going anywhere. So we all know that um, luxury has evolved thanks to the pandemic, what happened during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is driving changes in luxury going forward? What do you think the main drivers are? So I think to build off of Scott's point too, I think personalization will continue. Um, you know, we definitely want to continue exploring how we enhance, you know, the design, look and feel of our products to add some of those other elements. A consumer may or may not want to go panel ready. Um, and so what could we deliver and, and offer to them that allows them to put a bit of their personality into, uh, into the mix? I think again, um, with so many folks working from home, um, so many more days of the week or entirely, um, we will continue to see heavy usage of, of all products in the home. And so um, the aspect of durability and just functionality is gonna to continue to be important and capacity, right? So we, uh, we talked before, and I think we talked yesterday in the panel um, around larger sizes, those kinds of things, and just having the ability to do more with what you have uh, versus having many, many different gadgets to do individual things. So for example, our, our ranges have air fry, you, you talked about the air sous vide, multi multifunction. You don't need these separate little, um, you know, let's say gadgets or de devices to, to do all of those things. Um, consumers don't want to add clutter. They don't want to add like extras and, and you know things that complicate lives. Um, simplicity is key, and so I think those are some of the things that are going to inform our roadmaps going forward. So um, you know, what's interesting to me is that we talk about how the kitchen and the bath are increasing in size more complex. However, we're also seeing this kind of trend, especially at the high end, of them wanting to downsize their, downsize their overall footprint. Mm -hmm. I don't, one of you would like to talk a little bit about that, if you're seeing any of that, and how is that impacting 
what you are doing or not, or maybe just from a personal level, because I know we were talking, Geraldine, about how you would like to downsize your house. Sure, sure. You know, um, I, I, I have a certain square footage in my home now. It's probably, you know, as a working mom, uh, a lot to handle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so certainly want to downsize. But, you know, one example uh, that I talked about uh, earlier was just um, making a room more functional, right? And so uh, I had some legacy in my master bath, legacy jacuzzi that, you know, is, is uh, just a pain, <laughs> um, but revamped my master bath to really be more functional, bigger shower, all of those, those, those kinds of things. So I think those important spaces, like your bathroom, your master bath, the interior of your home, the heart of your home being your kitchen, those will continue to get a lot of focus um, and emphasis and really the space that you, the spaces that you travel in and spend more time, like your family room, maybe it's your closet, maybe it's your, um, you know, your media room, those kinds of things, the, those will be important spaces in the home. Um, and we, we have to, as a, as a manufacturer of luxury appliances, really understand that behavior and ensure that we're delivering unique solutions that enable, you know, the consumer to live more conveniently where they are and how they want to, um, how to, how they want to use those spaces. So, um, an example would be, uh, I, near my media room, I have a, a drawer microwave, a decor drawer microwave. And so it's easy for me to make popcorn immediately in the vicinity of my media room. So uh, I think it's those kinds of touches that are, are really, um, you know, things that will continue to evolve and we'll see uh, going forward. And didn't you mention, was it you, Scott, who mentioned about the either refrigerator or wine dispenser in the closet? Was that you? So I don't have a wine dispenser in my closet because <laughs> I've got bigger problems if I do. No, I, I think um, I think the point there is, you know, it's, it's placing the products where you need mm -hmm. them. So if there's a wet bar, you know, we've got beautiful 24 inch column that houses 100 plus bottles. Right next to it, you can put a beautiful wine dispenser that, that houses wine up to 60 days after you open it. So it's it's not, you know, not everything has to be in the kitchen. Put the products where it needs to be to make the most use of that space. I think to Geraldine's point, space is becoming very much multifunctional. The kitchen isn't just for the kitchen. Could turn into your office for a second. It could turn into board night with your, you know, with the, with your family and your friends and your, and your children. So it's, it's placing the, Placing the appliances where it makes most sense and, and as aside from what traditionally you, you possibly dreamed it could be. So we have a few minutes left. Any last closing statements, anything you'd like to focus on? Uh, no, I just want to build off of what you just said and just to build off mm -hmm. of the original question. I think, you know, when we look at homes today, you know, we've gone through a lot in the last couple of years. It's been traumatizing in, in some respects. And the home is really a place where you go for comfort and refuge. Um, and we're spending a lot more time there, right? And so how do we as a brand really go deep into that and understand how we create that comfort and help assist in that refuge for you know for any consumer, and continue to deliver products that um, really align to supporting that lifestyle. So I think that's just a, a, a you know a challenge for for us as we go forward, but an interesting one to pursue because it's going to enable us to think about other categories that we might not be mm -hmm. in, uh, or expand categories that we are, or feature sets that we want to bring to life that are going to support elevated living. Yeah, and I think just the last thing I'll say is, you know, the luxury, both the luxury consumer as well as the designer that's in that market wants to be completely immersed in the brand. They're, they're not just in it one day and out the next. So I think tagging along them in that journey is critical. Um, the way we immerse our customers in our brand are through our showrooms. We've got three beautifully branded showrooms throughout the U.S. that we do lots of training. We do lots of cooking demos. We hold, um, you know, networking events with the NKBA. We, we hold dealer trainings. 
and, and quite often these are two-day trainings and they allow our dealers and our customers just to be complete, learn about the brand and we take them on that journey. I think they want to be, they want to learn and understand because that, you know, appliances, you're in it for a, for a long time. We want to make sure the customer deeply understands, uh, you know, where you came from, what you're doing and, and how they can come along that journey. So I think that brand immersion becomes really, really important. Well, thank you. Scott and Geraldine, what a great conversation. So much insight into the luxury consumer. Um, and thank you, Decor, again, for sponsoring our podcast and always being such a great NKBA partner. Everyone in the audience, I want to say thank you. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found it as interesting as I did. Here's to seeing you again. Seeing you again, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> next month. Bye for now. Thank you. Thank you.